This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. You have entered our little corner of the podcast world, and we greatly appreciate you spending time with us today. And this is a very special edition of the Weather Lounge as we delve into some midwinter forecast updates and discuss the upcoming pattern as we head into late January and February. Before we get to all the fun, let me introduce to you once again my co-host and fellow weather prognosticator, Mike Mahalik. Ooh, Mike. prognosticator. You, you know where I get that from? Do you remember the, the movie Groundhog Day? We discussed Groundhog Day before on yeah. this uh, podcast. Uh-huh. But um, when uh, I, it's actually Bill Murray's uh, brother, then he comes out and says, the prognosticator of all prognosticators <laughs> when they introduce uh, the groundhog. You remember that part? <laughs> you know what? I, I seem to have missed that part. I might have oh, to go back and watch that movie all again. Right. All right. Oh, well, man. we got a special edition here of uh, the Weather Lounge, don't we? Absolutely. Um, very excited to have Chief Meteorologist uh, here at Weatherworks, Jim Sullivan, back on because it's time to talk about a potential pattern change coming up for um, the rest of the winter here, or at least into February. Um, yeah, yeah. The, you snow know, we, no, the snow lovers out there have been hoping for this. Yeah. I mean, we we had Jim on back on October 21st when we did our first winter outlook, but we did say we might bring him back on if we see any type of changes happening mm-hmm. with the winter pattern. So uh, here we are. Uh, <laughs> we're ready for uh, him to, uh, you know, give what he knows about this upcoming pattern. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk like- about just, uh, you know, how it's been so far and, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. what we can uh, look uh, ahead to because, uh, you know, the, 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 what is it called? How's it go? The, uh, the restless get weary, you know, uh, I, I can't remember the saying. I think no. you're just making up sayings. No, now, you know, heard. <laughs> no. And when everyone wants to snow and now it's just getting to the point where, come on, let's go. What's <laughs> well, the I, I think I the don't natives know. are getting restless. That's it. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, no, I, I think people, uh, who, if you like snow out there, I think this, uh, new update might be quite interesting to you. So, um, you know what, Brad? It's enough of us talking. Let's just uh, let's go to a quick break and let's bring J- Jim on right after this. Okay, guys. So we'll see you. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Well, how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few, and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now, that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Welcome back, everyone. Sit back and relax because you are in the Weather Lounge. And again, this is a very special edition of our podcast as our chief meteorologist here at Weatherworks joins us for a nice chat. So without further ado, here he is, the one, the only, Jim Sullivan. Hey, Jim. Hey, Brad. I don't know if I need all that introduction. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a guy that prognosticates the weather like everyone yes. else here. Well, we, um, you know, sometimes we like to sound like the price is right. Back when the old Bob Barker uh, used to... Uh, used to host and I, I kind of feel like I'm him once in a while and I bring Mike on and you know and I like to I like our, our guests and uh, co-hosts to feel uh, at home here at the weather gotcha Lounge. gotcha <laughs> well you know, wait, wait, hey if the Clevelander hosting the price is right now Drew Carey so yeah that's right he is yeah uh-huh. and so, Jim uh, is from Cleveland so yeah you know. he is he is 
But uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we're here with you, Jim and uh, Mike, and we're going to talk about uh, some changes here. Hopefully, uh, if you are a snow lover, as we uh, continue on through the second half into our winter. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jim, I think um, why don't we start out with you know kind of a recap of what we were talking about in the first winter outlook back in October. Yeah, so in the in the first winter outlook back in October, we were focusing on things like La Nina, which is still in place across the tropical Pacific, which means cooler waters along the equator um, across the Pacific Ocean. Um, that'll be a big pattern driver this winter. Um, that you know, and that tends to favor colder weather diving into the western United States and milder conditions across the southern and eastern United States. Um, also mentioned that there was some potential December into the first half of January, at least for maybe some colder and snowier times, mm-hmm. uh, maybe set off by some high latitude blocking, um, which is when the jet stream kind of buckles um, closer to the pole, and that can displace some colder air south and make things stormier. So we're kind of leaning towards a milder winter in the southern and eastern U.S., but some potential for cold and snow, especially uh, the first half of the winter. And to some extent, that's panned out, although um, we are still waiting on our first big cold snap. It snowed. Um, you know, parts yeah. of the Northeast had a monster snowstorm back in the middle of December. But, you know, there haven't been too many days where it, you know, it hasn't gotten above freezing or anything like mm. that. I think I think if <laughs> if you talk to some people around the uh, Binghamton, New York area, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they would be thinking differently about how much snow they've had so far this season after that 40 inch monster. That and and Albany got it again this year, too. And, and and the same thing happened in 2020 where, uh, you know, it looked like the storm was going to say south of them and boom, they got crushed as well. It was just uh, right. you know, one of the and, you know, and it's 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 worth pointing out, too. You know, I know a lot of people are waiting for winter in places like the Jersey Shore, for instance, um, down into the mid-Atlantic. You know, they haven't gotten really gotten any snow yet. But, you know, Philadelphia got half a foot out of that mid-December yeah. storm. That was their first six inch plus storm since March of 2018. So um, a lot of areas have gotten a notable snow. They're ahead of last year, but. It's been mm-hmm. quiet here for a few weeks since then. And yeah, everyone's kind of waiting for the hammer to drop or the winter to return. But it's mostly been uh, focused on the Northeast, though, f- from what I've seen, uh, Jim, as far as some snow amounts. I mean, out in the Midwest, maybe not quite as much snow they've yeah. seen so far this winter. Yeah, the Midwest was an area where we we thought that it could be a busy winter. So far, it hasn't been. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a good chance that turns around here pretty soon. Um, Yes, the Midwest has been very quiet. There have been a couple of wintry systems across the South um, the last couple of weeks. A lot of times, the southern United States doesn't get much snow in a La Nina winter, um, but there's been enough energy in that southern jet stream that they've gotten a couple of snow events recently. Um, Even the northern suburbs of Houston got, got a little bit of snow. Last weekend, and um, you know, some parts of Texas and Louisiana got like over half a foot. So notable system down there. That that, that was pretty impressive. I mean, anytime it snows from Texas through, through Louisiana and parts of Mississippi, I mean, my goodness, um, that is uh, pretty impressive for sure. And you, um, a lot of times here in the Northeast, that's where our snow starts out. It's it's a you know it's a, it was a Miller B storm, and when it dives down and comes up the coast and we just haven't had had any of these storms make the turn. They just kind of aimlessly go east out to the Atlantic and uh, you know leave us alone here in the Northeast. So uh, we're hoping that we get that pattern changed here, Jim. We are, and there there is some reason to to believe we will get some changes starting pretty soon. Well, I mean, you know, I think we 
pretty much recapped what we already has happened so far and what we were kind of thinking about um, with the October outlook. So let's get right into it, Jim. I mean, what is starting to change? What are you seeing out there that that might affect the uh, pattern uh, going into the next uh, month or two? Yeah. All right. So the the big change that you've probably seen uh, if you're on social media looking at weather pages is there's been a lot of talk about the stratosphere and a sudden stratospheric warming event. And I'll, I'll dive into that in a minute. But yeah, it's to briefly touch on why it, it's kind of been mild, you know, not snowless in a lot of areas, but kind of mild. Um, it's because the pattern hasn't looked a whole lot like a La Nina um, that is expected to change. It's already in the process of changing. But usually in a La Nina, um, the jet stream, there's it kind of goes up and around through Alaska and dives into the the Pacific Northwest. And that brings cold air to that area. But we've kind of seen the opposite where we, we haven't seen the ridge near Alaska. So we've had a very strong jet stream blasting right in off the Pacific. And that floods North America with mild air because the, the air over the Pacific isn't cold. We get our cold air from the Arctic. So it needs to come from the north, not from the west. So we've had a very Pacific dominated pattern. It's kept us milder. Um, that's already in the process of changing. So at the very least, there's going to be a lot more cold air available over Canada. What we'd expect in a La Nina um, pretty much the rest of January and probably through at least February. So, Jim, uh, what what's causing that La Nina here early on the season to not really look like a La Nina? There, there's got to be something out there that's kind of. Exactly. A couple of things that have happened. So. Um, well, one thing is La Nina, there, there can be many different flavors of that. We touched on that in October. You know, you hear La Nina, El Nino. It does not mean like the pattern will be this. Um, you know, some La Ninas can deviate from the mean. This one has. Um, one of the big reasons is, believe it or not, um, high pressure over Eastern Asia. I'm not going to get into to the physics behind it, um, but when there is high pressure and cold air over Eastern Asia, um, you know, the, the, the heavy snow in Japan has been making news. That's kind of a result of that. Um, it's been very brutally cold over places like Russia, which it usually is, but it's even colder than they're used to. That speeds up the Pacific jet stream. Mm-hmm. And when, when you speed up a, the Pacific jet stream in a La Nina, it does tend to flood the country with warm air. Um, a lot of times it doesn't happen, but this one it did. So um, that, that unusually high pressure cold air has strengthened the Pacific jet stream. Um, there's also been we we monitor where thunderstorms occur in the tropics. That's why El Nino, La Nina are important because those warmer, cooler waters influence where those thunderstorms occur. And they've been very active kind of in the Western Pacific near Indonesia. That's north of Australia. Um, when, when thunderstorms are active there, it also tends to strengthen the Pacific jet. So those two things have caused a stronger Pacific jet than we'd normally expect in a La Nina. Um, the pattern over Asia has reversed pretty much over the last week. So we're already in the process of changing it. So I I do think we'll see a more La Nina-like pattern from here on out. And Jim, you talk about that high pressure over East Asia. Didn't that set a record or something or new record for the highest pressure? It did. Yeah. Like, yeah, right around the beginning of January, it was the highest pressure. And 50 something. I believe it was record the highest pressure recorded um, in history on earth. Um, you know, I say in history, you know, we only have good yeah. observations back the last 150 years, but right. yeah, it was incredibly strong. It was like something like 
1080 millibars, it was just obscene, you know, way higher than we'd ever see here in the continental United States. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. And then to cap that off, there was also a uh, a very strong uh, low pressure system that went into the Aleutian Islands. Uh, right. That was, I think, 920s. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was one of the strongest systems on record in the northern Pacific. Mm. Um, if not, I believe it might have been the strongest for that specific region on record. Um, and that, that, and that's part of, you know, that's kind of the opposite pattern that you expect in the La Nina. Usually in a La Nina, you get a ridge in the jet stream and quieter weather near the Aleutian Islands. And we had a big storm. So, um, hmm. basically the Pacific was not acting like La Nina. Um, it is starting to act more like La Nina, which, which means, you know, Canada into the Pacific Northwest, Northern Rockies. Um, it's going to turn a lot colder there than it's been. So, I mean, is it time now to talk about the whole uh, SSW that I see oh, uh, I, all over uh, weather Twitter constantly? You know, if, if people don't know what SSW means, uh, maybe we can explain that a little bit uh, for the audience yeah. there. Yeah. So SSW stands for Sudden Stratospheric Warming Event. So the stratosphere is the second level of our atmosphere. We live in the troposphere. And the troposphere extends up to about 30 or 35,000 feet this time of year in the mid-latitudes. Um, above the troposphere, you have the stratosphere. And a lot of times what happens in the stratosphere doesn't impact our weather here near the ground, but in winter it can. Um, you can get some connection between the two levels of the atmosphere. So typically the stratosphere in winter, there's a strong vortex called the polar vortex sitting near the North Pole. It's very cold and has strong westerly winds blowing around it in the stratosphere. And if that connects to the troposphere, um, that can give us a very strong west to east moving jet stream that cuts off our cold air. That's what happened last year. Um, this year, we've seen the opposite. So a sudden stratospheric warming event is usually it's cold in winter, but occasionally it can warm up and it can warm up significantly over, the, over just a few days and significantly disrupt that pattern in the stratosphere. And, you know, you slow down the winds in the stratosphere quite a bit that can bleed into the troposphere and, and make our jet stream, you know, instead of a strong west to east jet stream, it's, it's weaker, it's wavier, um, that can, you know, when the jet stream is wavy, you get cold air that can dive south and you can get more storms. So that's, that's, mm. so it's a significant pattern change in the stratosphere. This isn't anything unprecedented. Um, we average about six sudden stratospheric warming events a decade. So about half the time or slightly more than half the winters, we get one of these. Um, it, it, sometimes they don't connect to the troposphere and impact the pattern, but this one already is. So um, we, we can't expect impacts from it. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And so it, far though, and, well, I was going to say, and so far though, all the cold air associated with this has been on the other side of the globe. It, is that correct? It has. It has been. And that is very typical though. So right. I, I know. So, Sudden stratospheric warming events, uh, other people have said this on Twitter, I'll, I'll say it here, they do not happen on timescales that are conducive for weather Twitter. The gratification <laughs> is not instant because the pattern that led to this event became evident in November. So people have been talking about it since November. Um, it finally happened the first week of January. Now, once it happens, if we do get impacts, it's still usually at least a couple of weeks for the colder, stormier weather to arrive in the United States. So 
that's that puts us on schedule. That puts us on schedule for it to arrive like next week. And lo and behold, next week, it'll start turning colder. And a lot of times the cold air makes it into Europe first. So everything is kind of on track with what we would expect for impacts for a sudden stratospheric warming event. Um, you know, I get restless as a long range meteorologist hoping for some snow. I know that the people who needed to snow to make a living, you know, not just snow contractors, but like, you know, ski resorts. I understand mm-hmm. they're they're restless as well because they've been hearing all this chatter and it hasn't really impacted our weather yet, but it's on track with what we would expect. And um due to both the sudden stratospheric warming event and the pattern we talked about over the Pacific changing, um there'll be a lot more bite to the cold air starting you know, literally as as early as um next week. So next week, what time uh, time frame you know, are we talking about here? Because uh, um, what time on January twenty sixth will the cold air <laughs> arrive in my backyard, though, Jim? That's where I want. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's going to be a gradual step down process. It's a little up and down, but it gradually gets cooler, and then you know by next weekend, it looks like it should be pretty cold for most of the central and northern United States. So that would be like the twenty second, twenty third, somewhere around there. So yeah, I mean, we're talking about the stratospheric warming. I think we talked a little bit about the uh, the polar vortex, right? Because everybody talks about the polar vortex. Yeah, That's now right. a buzzword. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I, can we explain just a little bit about that, Jim? Because I feel like people see polar vortex and they think that um, it's going to just impact the area <laughs> with uh, you know cold and snow and everything else under the sun. Uh, that winter can dish out. But really, I mean, the polar vortex isn't something that is literally impacting things. Right. <laughs> it's it's not new. It's there every year. Um, so there really are two polar vortexes or vortices, I guess, that, that we're referring to. And I think it gets confusing because um, us, us meteorologists on Twitter sometimes have a bad habit of not clarifying what we're talking mm-hmm. about. So there's the polar vortex that I was talking about earlier in the stratosphere that's there every winter. Um, when it weakens, it, it can lead to some, some colder, stormier weather closer to ground level in the winter. That's there every winter. Um, last winter, it was quite strong in the stratosphere. And then there's the level of the atmosphere we live in. And there's also a polar vortex. You know, So it's both the troposphere and the stratosphere. It is the tropospheric polar vortex that gets all the hype. Um, when that breaks up and moves south, that's when you'll get the media saying, you know, the polar vortex is coming. So um, there's kind of two polar vor- vortexes, um, the stratosphere, which doesn't have as much of an impact, but can if it's especially strong like last year or if it's weak like this year, it can impact some. And then there's the troposphere that's that's closer to the ground. And that's what directly impacts us. So it's there every winter. It's not a new term. Um, you know, if the polar vortex is is up you know, over Canada and near the North Pole, we tend to be milder. If the port- vortex, you know, breaks up or moves south a little bit uh, in the troposphere, that's when we can get colder, and that's when the media hypes it up. But it's nothing special. It's it's just you know, <laughs> it brings cold. It brings colder air, um, but it's nothing unusual. It's there every year. Gotcha. Um, so. We're talking about that. We're talking about the the stratosphere. So how does this lead into what the blocking setup uh, is going to be like heading into the next month or so? Right. So, yeah, basically, and I, I believe we touched on this earlier, the block is or blocking is when there is like kind of a ridge in the jet stream or it buckles in the, you know, closer to the pole and the higher latitudes and 
we call it a block because when that happens, everything backs up behind it. Um, and that that causes storms and cold air to dig. So mm-hmm. there has been some blocking this winter already, even before the stratospheric warming that, you know, there was there was a nice block in the middle of December when we got that winter storm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was near Greenland. And that's that's a good spot for East Coast snowstorms. And the Greenland block is still there. So if the stratosphere warms and impacts the troposphere like we're having this year, um, it tends to lead to enhanced blocking for at least one to two months after. Um, so there are a handful of, of La Nina winters like this one that had sudden stratospheric warming events that caused blocking in the troposphere where we care about. The most recent one was 2017 and 2018. Um, and that gave us a little over a month of blocking and resulted in stormy weather on the East Coast. So since the stratosphere has done its warming, that's happened. And since it is starting to impact the troposphere and lead to blocking, um, we can expect it to be around for at least one to two months. That takes right. us at least into February and p- potentially through a good portion of February before it relaxes. So, I mean, moving on from here, I mean how how like you're talking about how we've had um only a handful of years in the past that have had this type of la nina setup and stratospheric warming yeah that's what i was and, just gonna ask when was, was that 2018 was that the last the, significant one yeah that was the last la nina that had a so there's only a handful of la ninas that have had a, a stratospheric warming that have impacted the troposphere like this one is starting to so it, uh, like I, I sort of alluded to earlier, it is not a guarantee that it impacts the troposphere. A lot of times you don't know until a couple of weeks after it happens if it will. This one will. So, yeah, similar setups, La Nina's stratospheric warming events that have impacted the troposphere. It's a fairly small sample, but when it happens, it, it usually leads to a month or two of enhanced blocking and it, and that blocking can be a Greenland block or a negative NAO as we call it. And that, that can increase storminess near the East coast. Um, so if we're going to get the blocking to occur, as you're saying, um, how does that, how does La Nina play into this? Um, how, how does it add more moisture to the pattern? Does it, how, how does it work? Yeah. So what La Nina does is it, it keeps things, it probably keeps it colder over Canada, and it probably dumps the worst of the cold air over the western United States. Now, because the blocking is there over Greenland, pieces of that have to break off and kind of dig into the east. So some of that will still get here, but the La Nina will probably focus it more to our northwest, and we kind of get a, 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 you know, it'll be a little more variable here. It'll be colder than it's been. There won't be prolonged warm-ups. Um, so the La Nina makes... The, the coldest air dump in the northwestern, north central United States. Um, it also makes the southern jet stream, it, the La Nina tends to favor a quieter southern jet stream, so it might be harder to get those big moisture-laden systems. Um, I, I don't want to say that it's a 100% correlation because, as we talked about earlier, we've had a couple of decent southern tracking systems, so there is a little bit of juice in that southern stream, but um, you know, we might not get big storm after big storm. It, like it might result Miller A to, storm. I think I, was, right. I think I said Miller B before. It was, I yeah, you meant Miller, Miller A. a. Yeah, exactly. So we might, yeah. we, we might not see a bunch of big storms coming up the coast. It might make, you know, the, the La Nina might make it so we have 
more small to medium-sized events, maybe one bigger one mixed in, as opposed to if it was an El Nino, it would probably be the opposite. We wouldn't have small events. We'd probably just get a couple of big events. Mm -hmm. So for the snow lovers, they are really hoping it would have been El Nino right now. <laughs> yeah, yes and no, because, you know, it, it, the, we might end up getting, it depends really on where you are. Um, like in oh, New England, you, you definitely prefer a La Nina to an El Nino because, uh, you know, all those southern tracking storms, sometimes they don't round the corner enough to hit yeah, New England. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. So with a La Nina, you know, New England, they've been in a in a quiet stretch lately. That That should turn around here later this month into February. Interesting. So do you think that it'd be more along the way of uh, clipper type systems that then intensify as it hits the eastern seaboard? Is that what we're kind of looking at more of? I think I think we'll see a few of those. Yes. Um, so, yeah, in an El Nino, it's very rare to get a lot of clippers in a La Nina. It's more common to get clippers. So I think we could see a few clippers um, and that benefits the the Midwest, Ohio Valley, Great Lakes as well. Um, mm -hmm. And those with the blocking slow down near the east coast and can and can develop into something more intense so it's possible we see a few of those um there's been enough juice in the southern jet stream that i, I don't want to say there won't be any big storms from the south maybe we get one if things come together right um so it, it's gonna be a mixed bag it's gonna be you know the long story short is it's gonna be colder than it's been across the eastern united states and it should be relatively active, although there there will probably it'll probably be more quantity over quality in terms of systems. Um, there might be a couple of bigger ones, one or two, but I think a lot of them will end up just being, you know, salting, you know, coding to one, one to two, one to three type storms as opposed to big blockbusters. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing either. I mean, if you if you get a, a couple of smaller storms like that, you know, there's still work to be done. It's just more yeah. frequent. And it's not right. that you're going to be hauling out uh, tons of snow uh, every time there's a, uh, a snowstorm. So to our uh, storm alert clients out there, I mean, uh, this still looks uh, promising if you're looking for more snow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I, I did have I did have a thought. Um did this pattern in the past when it came up, did it correlate with any bigger snowstorms or was it like you're talking about mostly the, the minor storms that are, you know, more frequent? So the, a persistent Greenland block, like we're saying, it inherently does increase the chances for bigger storms. Um, what's giving me some pause is that it's a La Nina, like I said, so the Southern stream might not be quite as active, but maybe it's just enough. Uh, but it's not as much of a slam dunk. Um, also, the colder air first dumping into the western United States. Um, if we didn't have the Greenland block, this would not be a cold pattern for for right. the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's it, we we can get a bigger storm um, if if the southern jet stream maybe becomes more active for a time. Maybe that gives us a window for a bigger storm. Uh, but I, I I would say I would like a a more active southern stream i would like the colder air not to be dumping into the west first um so it's not to say something can't happen the you know the greenland block can make weird things happen near the east coast um snowier weird things um <laughs> so it, it's not a zero percent chance for for a blockbuster but you know we it might be again like i said there probably will be more small systems than than yeah. big coastals coming up the coast 
No, a good example of that block uh, being in place. What was that? Was it 2018 with the, all the March new research? Like yes. Um, and that was, uh, that wasn't a totally dissimilar pattern to what we had now, because with that one, it was much colder over like the Northern Rockies and Plains than it was here. Mm-hmm. And, um, we still got stuff to develop near the East coast. So it's not impossible. Um, Again, the Greenland block can make things happen and there should be enough cold air around um, with the block forcing it to come our way at times. So, I mean, I don't know. Let's look, wrap things up a little bit here as far as, you know, taking us around the country a little bit and just kind of going through temperature trends uh, right. and snow trends. Um, so everybody has a good sense of of what we're actually seeing um, from, you know, the middle of January uh, through uh, early April. Okay. Um, gosh, let's start in like maybe the Northeast, I guess. Um, that's where we are. We'll start there and work our way around the horn for a lot of our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, if you're like, if you're like Pennsylvania, Northern Jersey, New York into new England, um, it's going to start getting noticeably colder. Like I said, starting the next few days and, you know, it's going to be a cold pattern there or, or seasonable to, to cold probably through definitely the first half of February. Um, and it may only slowly trend warmer there um, through late February and into March. So I think if you're in, in the Northeast, more so, you know, not the Mid-Atlantic, but the Northeast, um, you know, PA, Northern Jersey points north, um, you'll have several weeks of temperatures that are near to somewhat below normal. Um, in terms of storminess, it is possible that um, some of the systems get shoved south of New England for a time um, the rest of January. It's not to say it won't snow in New England as it gets colder the rest of this month, but um, some of the juicier systems, if you will, may have a hard time making it that far north just because the blocking is so strong. It's shoving right. them that far south. As hmm. the blocking relaxes a little bit, um, I think the active pattern will shift into New England. So New England, you're going to get cold soon, and you'll probably have things like snow shower threats um, and minor systems, but you may not get super active um, for another couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania, Jersey, we're a little farther south, so we may be more in the game immediately when it gets cold. Um heading into the mid-Atlantic, um, I think their best window is probably late January. Um, like the last week to 10 days of January into the first half of February. Um, La Nina's are very much so a mixed bag in the mid-Atlantic. Um, and with the cold dumping into the West, if that block wasn't there, this would not be a, a snowy pattern for the mid-Atlantic. So when the blocking is at its strongest and when we have the cold air um, late this month into the first half of February, the mid-Atlantic can certainly see a few lighter snow events. Um, or maybe some mixed precipitation. I can't rule out a, a stronger storm if that southern jet stream flares up enough, but it's hard to guarantee it. But even the Mid-Atlantic, even a place like D.C., it'll be noticeably chillier than it's been, mm-hmm. and you'll probably get at least a, a few smaller systems that can br- produce snow, maybe one that's a little bigger. Um, so I think their their best window in the Mid-Atlantic, like you know Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, you're through like the middle of February. After that, the blocking starts relaxing and they'll start trending warmer as that happens. Um, you know, they, they may not flip a switch and immediately flip to spring in the middle of February. It might be more up and down than that. Um, but I do think they'll start trending warmer after mid-February in the mid-Atlantic. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, uh, I think you were going to go to the southeast and I think yes. that's where I was going to lead you next. <laughs> um, so go ahead, Jim, about the southeast a little bit. Yeah, and the southeast... Um, 
you know, so down there, uh, a more active southern jet stream is critical. And um, so we've had a, a hint of that recently. Um, so active southern jet stream and also adequate cold air, because the southeast normally is not that cold, um, even in winter. So I, I think their best window will also be through about the middle of February when the blocking is strongest, when the cold air has the best shot of working into the southeast. Um, so, you know, it's, it's possible it ends up being mostly quiet. Um, but if, if again, the, the southern jet stream, it's been active enough this winter that I don't want to rule out maybe one or two more threats for something wintry in the southeast, especially as we start getting some more cold air uh, late in January. They've gotten more snow in the last two weeks down there than a lot of places in the Northeast. So. And, you know, the Northeast will the Northeast will definitely turn the tables on them. But um, yeah, it is kind of a, a, a fluky, funky little uh, trend there the last couple of weeks because yeah, the people in the, in the Northeast are starving for it. Um, not everyone, not everyone wants snow, but the people who want snow are starving for it. And yeah, they're right. watching you know videos of heavy wet snow in like Starkville, Mississippi, or something like that. Yeah. So. Now, to, to touch on one last thing uh, before we wrap things up, what was the year? Now, I, I think I was still living in the southeast, but what was the year when flipped on New England where barely any snow fell? I, Four, I know Mike. 14, Mike, 15, I think. Right? 14, 15. That was when they had like hardly. I remember Mike telling me stories about that from Weatherworks and just it was just a crazy yeah. pattern. And they picked up, what, 100 inches, Mike, in like, what, 90 days or something? The bo- oh. Yeah, it was it was less than 90 days. Yeah, Boston got like, what, what, 100 inches or almost 100 inches. And it was like a little over a month. Oh, was, yeah. I think that was a uh, 13, 14. Is that right? It was 14. 15. It was yeah. 14, 15. 30, yeah, okay. both those winters were, were active, um, you know, times of yesteryear when it actually snowed here. Um, <laughs> now, now, um, now, can we can, can we compare this year to that? I mean, where we don't really have much here in the first half and all of a sudden it just there. I mean, yeah, it, there could be something like that. Any because, similarities? Yeah. New England's patterns, you know, they're definitely going to be colder and it will become more active, especially as the blocking relaxes a little bit. That's when I would watch for New England. Um, mm-hmm. So more, you know, there there might be a couple of small systems in New England, or maybe maybe a southern tracking system can clip them. Uh, but I think the fire hose, if you will, aims more directly at them more into February, right. perhaps early March, as, yeah, and, and, as the blocking relaxes. Right, I was going to say, because they don't need the cold air as much, because they're still climatologically cold enough. But right. I mean, even if you get any kind of coastal storm, they're going to dynamically get cold enough to, yeah, like, to snow. So. Yeah, like once you get into like the mountains in New England, yeah, they, right. they don't care about temperature. They just need it to precipitate, which right. kind of hasn't been doing a whole lot lately, or it's even rained up there a couple of times, even in those mountains. Uh, yeah. So not, not great for ski season, but it should get markedly better uh, for like, you know, the, the, the mountains and the ski resorts up there pretty soon. So Jim, let's, uh, let's head out to the Midwest. Um, we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit and then the, uh, the West coast and the Rockies. Um, yeah, yeah, and then sure. we'll kind of wrap it all up. All right. Yeah. So Midwest, it's, it kind of been a quiet start. Um, normally the Midwest, um, especially the Ohio Valley and Southern Great Lakes, like Indianapolis, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, they're usually active in a La Nina, but the pattern, as I discussed, hasn't been very La Nina-like yet. So they've gotten off to a slow start. That is changing. It's changing now. Um, they're they're going to get some light snow this weekend. Not much, but enough to start putting people back in the mood. And um, you know, as as that cold air settles into the west, um, that that'll that'll favor both some clippers and a few west to east moving systems um, coming coming out of the plains. 
So I think the Ohio Valley, Great Lakes, it's it's definitely going to get colder here starting soon. It's probably going to get quite a bit more active too. Um, you know, so depends on where you are. It's kind of going to be like the Northeast. The farther south you are, your window is probably late January, the first half of February when the blocking is the strongest. So places like the I-70 corridor, St. Louis, um, Indianapolis, Columbus, Cincinnati, um, Pittsburgh, your your best window probably will be later this month into the first half of next month, February. And then as the blocking relaxes, it shifts north to places like Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland. Um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be active across the Midwest as that cold starts pressing into the West. Um, when cold dives into the West, it tends to precipitate quite often in, in the Ohio Valley, Great Lakes and Midwest. Um, and so that'll, that'll be coming up here soon. And with blocking, at least, you know, for the next few weeks, um, it should be cold enough that even into the Ohio Valley, some of that can be snow as the blocking relaxes. It might start turning milder um, in the Ohio and Tennessee Valley, but, you know, shifts it north towards the Great Lakes a little bit more, the snow. That's good to know uh, for our listeners. I almost said viewers (laughs) (laughs) out uh, in the Midwest. But, uh, you know, let's uh, quickly talk about the the West and the Rockies. And then, uh, like I said, then I think that about does it for our update. Yeah. So the, the West has, yeah, it hasn't been all that snowy yet um, out West. Um, a lot of times the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies do well in a La Nina. As the pattern starts looking more like La Nina here, really, that's starting to happen now. Um, do expect, especially the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies, Northern Plains to, to turn much colder and somewhat snowier, perhaps quite a bit more snowy, especially in the Pacific Northwest. Um, a lot of the West is in the drought. So any stretch of, of snowier, more active weather would be very important, not just for people who, you know, need snow for a living, like all those ski resorts, but also, you know, for the longer term good, they need precipitation um, out there. So there there should be a turnaround, especially in the Northern Rockies, the Pacific Northwest. Um, a place like Denver is kind of on the bubble. Um, Denver certainly won't be warm. Um, it's possible that active weather stays a little north and west of Denver. So um, hopefully some of those systems can die far enough south to, to give places like Utah and Colorado some snow. Because if you remember back in the fall, they had all sorts of issues with wildfires. Um, mm-hmm. and they really haven't been all that wet since then. So they need the precipitation there. Um, the desert southwest... Um, has been rather dry, which is which is typical for a La Nina. Um, one exception is like Texas. Um, parts of Texas have actually been rather snowy lately. Like you know, Midland right. Texas um, has gotten two rather notable wintry systems the last few weeks. So it's been rather dry west of Texas. Um, maybe one or two systems can work through the Southwest, like Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California, where. They're also in a drought and could use the rain, but I, I doubt that there's a prolonged wet pattern there, um, given the La Nina, but maybe they can get one or two systems there. So it's not a, a total shutout in terms of precipitation. All right. I mean, I don't know if we missed anything. Did we miss anything? No, I think <laughs> we've, uh, we've covered everything. Uh, rather. Yeah. Long, long story short, um, there will be more cold air running around soon, and I think a lot of areas will get at least some snow out of it. So um you know everyone wants to cancel winter nowadays if it hasn't snowed by christmas which <laughs> uh-huh. is really foolish because most areas average snow at least into march so we've got plenty of time um yeah plenty of time to go that's for sure and that's uh i think going to wrap up 
our uh, podcast here. So, Jim, I really appreciate you coming out one more time and uh, talking with us about the upcoming pattern. Um, hopefully, I don't have to bother you too much more. We're talking about hurricane season before you know it. <laughs> that I is know. true. It, it never stops, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> that is true. Um, so maybe we'll start talking to him once we get into uh, May or something like that um, about the tropical uh, outlooks. But, uh, you know, for the meantime, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a great podcast. A lot of insight here by uh, our chief meteorologist, Jim Sullivan. Please remember that uh, the Weather Lounge podcast is uh, new every two weeks. Um, this was a special episode. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Check out WeatherWorks. That's who you're going to want to search for. Um, and also, if you want to send us an email about the show, certainly email us. Don't be afraid. Reach out, and we'll gladly uh, respond to you about that. And uh, we'll definitely be seeing you sometime soon.